Paris Musée presents Once Upon a Museum. Use podcasts about the museums of Paris. If you go down in the woods today, oh, never mind. Let's walk around town. We are close to the Luxembourg Gardens and Montparnasse. I like Paris for sure, but it can be a little too noisy sometimes. And once in a while, I need some peace and quiet. I can take you on an imaginary journey almost a hundred years back if it sounds like fun to you. Okay. What special shuttle are we using? Do I have to put on my supersonic sneakers or my 3D glasses and my favorite t-shirt? No need for special gear. It's just at the end of the dead end over there. Oh, really? Come on, open up. Oh, it's very quiet here. There is much less traffic and you don't hear any beep beep horn at a red light. We see green and more green and whitewashed facades and grass and a well and a dovecote and a nice and large house and ivy and then more green again and and windows, so many windows and then behind those we can see shadows. These shadows are sculptures. We are in the museum of Mr. Ossip Zatkin one of the greatest avant-garde sculptors of the 20th century and particularly of Cubism. Cubism? Did he sculpt with cubes? Not exactly. Cubism is the name of an artistic movement. Cubist artists play with perspective. When we look with our eyes, we see from one point of view on one side, but as soon as we change position, we see things differently. Oh, yes. If I approach, if I move back, if I go left or right, I see the object in another way. And that is perspective. Cubists try to accumulate all of these points of view in their works of art. As if by looking at you, I saw you from the front, from the back and in profile at the same time. Yes, that's it. Now come on, follow me. Let's see all the dimensions that Zatkin allows us to see in his studio house. Here we are in his studio. And here is the plaster sculpture of the head of the Titan Prometheus. Oh, that's weird. We see his nose, his ear, one eye and then another, but everything seems upside down. As if we were looking from many different points of view. And yet, we're still here, right in front of the sculpture. It gives an impression of movement. Is he looking at us? Or is he turning his head? Or is he doing it all at the same time? Zatkin makes us see things differently. The object that the sculpture creates must stimulate emotion to the onlooker. The emotion, the human. It is in this house workshop that Osip Zetkin lived and worked a large part of his life. But before that, he traveled a lot. After his birth in 1888 in Belarus, he went to Greece, England, New York, and then settled in Paris. He moved into this house in the heart of Montparnasse in 1828. He's been living here with his wife, Valentine Prax. She is a painter, he is a sculptor. 
in this oasis of greenery in the heart of Paris, they both live and create. Everywhere around us, we can feel the spirit of the artists. Come see my madness in Assas, and you will understand that a man's life can be changed because of a dovecote, because of a tree. For Zatkin, nature is fundamental. It is the foundation of life and of his art. I could never live on the second or third floor of a house. The soles of my shoes have to scrape the dirt. I must be a descendant of rats and not birds. The ground, Zatkin walks on it. And he sculpts it too. When he was 12, he discovered his passion for sculpting by sliding on clay by the river. This passion never left him. For him, it's a necessity. It's like breathing. He, he must, must draw. He, he must, must sculpt. He, he must create. In this workshop, he works tirelessly. He asks himself a lot of questions because we can represent things in a thousand ways. For example, they can be represented very faithfully by following curves and colors. We can also imagine simplifying the lines and representing only the essential. Mm, I don't ask myself all these questions when I draw. He, Zatkin, never ceased to seek and wonder. For that, he works with all kinds of materials. There, a wooden man's head. There, a plaster bird. There, a limestone musician. There, a girl with a granite bird. Wood, stone, terracotta, plaster. It's a conversation between materials. But who's talking like that? What a racket! Is there a party around here? Oh, it must come from one of the cafes next door. Don't forget that we are at the beginning of the 20th century. All the great artists of the time are meeting in this neighborhood. Poets, writers, painters, sculptors. Here, Zatkin meets Picasso, Matisse, Apollinaire. He converses with Modigliani. Wow, that's a lot of people. Well, at the time, they weren't necessarily well known, but today they are world famous. They all gather in the same place, they meet around a cup of coffee to think and reflect about what they are going to paint, sculpt, write or draw. It is an effervescence of thought and creation. Each in their field seeks to make an art we have never seen before. The sounds of lively conversations have been replaced by sounds of top, tap, tap, top. These are stone carving noises. It is Zatkin who works with his sculptor's tools, a mallet, a kind of hammer, with which he strikes a very sharp chisel. He developed a very new personal style in sculpture. He would cut directly into the material. It's as if he could read the materials and guess within its core figures, objects, animals. One day, a friend gave me a twisted block of wood I immediately imagined a beast, a real one, a big toy. I chiseled with real delight the two missing front legs. I felt like a carpenter again. <gasps> a sculpture is approaching us. It's the great Rebecca who is coming to meet us. She's huge. 
She is almost three meters high. She is made of painted plaster and holds a jug resting on her neck. She is the large water carrier. Short legs, very elongated torso, arm raised. Just a few features outline her face. She is like all stretched out. That's what gives her all her strength. The representation of the human body is not exactly what we see. Zatkin is very loosely inspired by reality. Everything is possible with art. To each artist, their own language, and here we can clearly recognize Zatkins. Phew! She passed right next to us. Originally, he made the sculpture in a tree trunk. He guessed that Rebecca's figure was hiding in the wood, and he revealed it like magic. Magic. When I look at a cloud with a little imagination, I can see a sheep, a flower, a swing. It's the same with stones. If you look closely, you can see beyond the inert and still stone. Concentrate. Clear your mind. And look carefully at the pebble that's in your shoe. Can't you see a face in there? <laughs> Starting from natural shapes, we can see other shapes. They are like hidden messages. A piece of granite became a heroic head. Everything is sculptable, but before that, you have to look, observe, and detect the secret shape within the stones. In front of nature. Look incessantly, study endlessly, but know how to choose because you can't see everything anyway. Furthermore, you don't have to remember everything. <gasps> Look, Zatkin is here, leaning on a pebble. His work instruments laid out next to him. You're right. He's looking at the piece of stone, and his imagination runs wild. <gasps> There it is. He's moving. He takes his tools and cuts directly into stone. We're leaving the house now. After all these apparitions in trees and stones, let's sit down in the garden for a bit. But look over there—a strange forest. It's the human forest, a sculpture that Zatkin made when he returned from the United States after the Second World War. Zatkin went through the Great Wars of the 20th century. As a stretcher bearer during the First World War, he was gassed. Then the Nazi occupation during World War II caused him to flee Europe and go into exile in the United States. He returns to France after the war, much changed, ravaged, but little by little comes back to life. He feeds on everything the world has gone through, everything he has gone through, and he puts it all in his sculptures to make this forest. He models the ground, and the result touches our hearts. We see bits of arms, bits of trees, bits of bodies. There are holes, there are volumes, there are voids. This is a figurative representation of the damage of war. I made a group of three characters, the base of which was like a disastrous tomorrow: broken forms, chaotic in their decline, and the top pierced but rebuilt. I was confronted. With the human forest, it is an evocation of rebirth, a note of hope after the horror. 
One of Zatkin's favorite themes is the fusion of the human body with plant elements. For him, nature, the forest, the trees are life. And humanity needs this after the disasters of war. Humanity, humanity needs, needs life. life. The forest is the place where we regenerate. We cannot exist without it. We must feed on it. So, if you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. The woods of the Zatkin Museum allow you to see the world as it is. With its secret shapes and hidden beauties. Once upon a museum at the Zatkin Museum. A Paris Musée podcast produced with Pauline Copen, Elsa Denac, with the voices of Juliette Avert, Matthew Luré, Tania Matouk. Did you enjoy it? Discover the other museums through Once Upon a Museum. Upon a museum.